0: Hello and welcome to the Common Sense Gospel. I'm Danny Simmons, and I'm Kurt Norbert. And today we are talking about a very special person in the Bible. I guess all of them are, but we're looking at Samson. And this is part one. We'll have uh, part one and part two. Kurt and I believe that's about how this is going to work out. Samson is a very, very interesting character in the Bible. Uh, He's he's known by most of us for his long hair and his amazing strength. He's called by God to be a judge of Israel. As we watch Samson, as we read through these chapters in the book of Judges, we will see undoubtedly that he's a loner in many ways. Though he's probably the strongest person in the Bible physically, his weakness is his desire for women. In the end, his weakness is greater than his strength. If you're a young man and you're listening to us, or if you're raising a young man in your home, Samson shows us how not to talk to women, how not to date, how not to express our love to women, and how not to win friends, uh, gain friends, and influence people. That's for sure. Um, Solomon will tell us in Proverbs chapter 7, in verse 25 through 27, Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. And I can't help but think of our character Samson when I read Proverbs 7 and the warning about the immoral woman. Uh, Samson will judge Israel for 20 years. We see that in Judges 15 and verse 20. And as we read through his life, we're gonna notice that the Lord has given us specific things that took place in his life. You think about 20 years as judge and all that God could have told us. There's so much he could have shared with us about this man and his life. And yet there are these specific things that the Lord has pulled out
1: of his life that he wants us to see. Yeah, he's He's really one of those people in the Bible that we, we think a lot about because his, his life is open for criticism. How could someone act like this and be pleasing to God? What's the deal here? And yet we know that he is. Uh, When you read uh, Hebrews 11, at verse 32, he's listed with Gideon and Jephthah, two other great judges. Uh, Samuel's also mentioned in that verse separately, but he was a judge too. Samson's right up there with them. So, as we look at Samson, I think we need to be mindful of that. Overall, in God's eyes, he's one of the great faithful. And yet, he's filled with episodes of weakness, weakness, selfishness, stubbornness, blindness uh, to what was going on, utterly clueless about what women were doing to him. Oh, yeah. You you just, you look at him and you go, you're smacking yourself in the head thinking, Samson, what are you doing? (laughs) Um, And yet, God was being used by him. Uh, We're told that it was through him that God was going to begin to move against the Philistines, and uh, relieve Israel of their oppression, as he, as he did throughout Judges, always uh, delivering the people from a particular group that was oppressing him by raising up a judge. Well, in this case, they've been oppressed for 40 years by the Philistines, and Samson is now arriving on the scene because God's going to deal with that. Yes, he is. That's a, That's right.
0: And one one thing I like to point out, you know, when you're looking at characters or doing a character study, especially in situations like this, as you said, God is going to use this man that when the Lord looks on the earth and he sees the challenges, the difficulties that his people are facing, if he wants to bring someone, whether it's their redeemer or a judge or a lawgiver, he always sends a baby. And and, and and he doesn't skip that part, you know, with Moses. We, we watched the life of Moses as a young boy, Pharaoh, saying that all the young men should be killed. Moses is spared out of that, and God records that for us. We've got this baby who's coming who's going to free that entire nation from the reign and the rule and the taskmaster's whip of Egypt. And, and now Samson here is another case where we're, we get to see his birth announcement and the fact that he's coming and, and what his purpose is, that God doesn't just— you know hit hit a guy who's already established and say hey go do this for me and now there, there are times when he'll call a man mm-hmm. but these greater cases it's always from the birth and, and i i use that to remind people you know you're raising a child you, you have no idea who's in your home you, you know their name and you know their tendencies but we don't know what god's brought them in this world to do and, and we want to be in line with god's will so there's a great story there for sure how god uses even this man to do his will and i, I mentioned redeemer jesus His birth is not skipped either. We're told specifically about the situation around his birth and how that came to be. And so the Son of God is coming. How does he come? Just the same way we did as a a newborn child growing up, learning the ways of society and all the things that we do. So Samson's right there with him. And like you said, in Hebrews 11, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel all in the same verse. Uh, And there he is. With, all, with as confusing as some of this is, yeah. there he is. So Judges 13, we, we want to read 14 through 16 because the reality of this judge is he gets a lot of print. Um, Kurt and I just counted how many verses the judges got. Gideon gets 100, and then Samson got 96. Is that right?
1: Yep. Yep, so they're pretty much
0: equal. Yeah, almost equal, and no one gets as much print as those two, um, at, at least that close. So, so he gets a lot of print in the book of Judges, and the Lord wants to share some things about him. In chapter 13, that's where the birth announcement is given to the wife of Manoah. And, and so for that, you know, I want to say that Samson was raised by godly parents. And, and I say that because after they were told that Samson's going to be born, his mother and his father— set their own lives aside in preparation for his coming they 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 set themselves apart and they followed the instruction that was given to them his mother's put under the Nazarite vow which is given to her by an angel of god and with with all the advantages of being raised in a godly home we're going to see that samson is going to make his own choices and a lot of them are not good he has a good start and a good foundation that's obvious and yet, he's going to make some terrible choices, even against the counsel of his own parents. So, to me, Samson eliminates the victim, the, the cry of, I'm a victim. No, you're not. Some people get every advantage in the world, and they intentionally fall on their face over and over again. Some people are raised in the most difficult home situations that we could ever imagine. And they, they, they learn about God. They read and hear his word. And they move towards a faithful life in Jesus Christ, and they're they're redeemed by the power of the blood of Christ, just like every other Christian who who's come to Him. So, yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, but I, I do think that Samson's just going to take that from from anyone who says I'm a victim because my life's hard. And I, we watch him on the other side of this have a perfect setup, and God's God's setting things in place to make sure he's in a godly home, and gives those parents instructions, and then we're going to watch him fail.
1: Yeah, you know he. He grew up in a difficult time for Israel because Judges tells us a couple of times that there was no king in Israel in those days. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. So there's just kind of lawlessness, uh, disregard for God, and yet it's not totally dark. Uh, Samson's parents are godly people. They're part of that faithful remnant that Amen. is there in any situation in history. That's right. Uh, It is during the time of the judges that we read about Naomi and Ruth and Boaz, godly people. Uh, They're in the line of Jesus. And so there were those bright spots. There was a faithful remnant during the time of the judges. And Samson Samson might have seen that contrast. Here's this overall situation in Israel. We're being oppressed because we're not paying attention to God. And yet, he's in a godly family. He's a Nazarite from birth. The the only judge that I recall is that was a Nazarite. He's one of only two who were Nazarites from birth in the Bible. So, the other being John uh, the Immerser. So, here he is. He's marked as a unique individual. He's set aside for God's purposes from the womb. And, and yet that doesn't give him a magical, charmed life. He still has his choices to make. That's right. And as you pointed out, he makes some pretty bad ones, ones that eventually cost him dearly. That's right. And so uh, you were mentioning the
0: Nazarite vow that, that we have Sam, Samuel. Uh, no razor shall touch his head is what Hannah prayed to God uh, before his birth. Um, he seems to be under at least for a period of time. Samson and then John John the Baptist. Those are the three that I know of. Mm-hmm. so the problem is the same problem that every person faces. The problem is sin and that man's heart is depraved. And we're inclined to the world and all that is set in front of us. And so each one of us is challenged. And I think as we move out of our homes and begin to take on adulthood, we need to learn what accountability means and to hold ourselves accountable to God because the heart is depraved and we do have an inclination but towards worldly things. And the world is happy to share all of that with us. And so at some point, you've got to say, this is what I must do from here on out. You know, yes, it was tough. Or yes, I had a perfect life, whichever one it is. Here's what I will do now because I'm accountable and I'm going to give an answer to God. And that is a cleansing process to to come to terms with that and to move forward with that understanding will serve you well. So let's begin in Genesis or Judges 13. I'm just going to read the first five verses so we can get a picture here of the Announcement, says again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for forty years. Now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink, and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son and no razor shall come upon his head for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So what a message. When she tells Manoah what this man said, she said that he was a, a marvelous thing to see, that he was uh, majestic and powerful. And, and this is what he told me. And so, you know, it's, it's really interesting that this woman Barren. She knows that. That's a concern for, for women of Israel. If you haven't had children, that's a concern. And yet here this announcement comes. You're, you're going to have a child. It's going to be a boy.
1: And here's some things you have to do. Yeah, it's, in this little account, it's interesting to me the difference between uh, Manoah and his wife. She just kind of takes it all in stride. <laughs> uh, okay, I need this is what I'm supposed to do when she tells Manoa about it, he's Oh, send the man back to us and tell us what we should do. Well, he just told Manoa's wife what they should do. <laughs> but and then he he kind of goes off the deep end almost I, I guess he's so amazed by all this and so dumbstruck that he doesn't even think rationally, but oh, he says at the end of this We've seen God face-to-face, face and now he's going to kill us. And Mano's wife goes, Why would God kill us after he's told us we're going to have a kid? <laughs> Come on, dude. Yeah, like, Get your oh, head yeah. together. Oh, yeah. I
0: forgot about that. But, you know, <laughs>
1: how often would we... If something stupendous happened to us, well, how would we, we respond? But it's it's interesting to see the interplay here. And it's it's kind of, you know, the same announcement to... Elizabeth and and Zechariah you you're, you're going to have a son even though you've been barren um Zechariah kind of is doubtful about what's going on so he's struck mute until That's the right. the child is born and he names him yep same so problem it's just uh it's interesting to see the reactions but but here's this godly family they they respond humbly and you know they want to offer sacrifice and and worship to God so they're recognizing that obviously he's he's the one behind all this. He's got a hand in this. this is part of his plan and uh And so after this is done, we don't read about his parents anymore, except for a brief interlude when uh, that we're going to get together in chapter fourteen. yeah, that's right. we'll
0: <clears throat> We'll hear from them one more time. Chapter thirteen ends by saying, "So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson." The child grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mahana. Dan between Zora and Eshtaol, so he's young. Spirit of the Lord's beginning to move on him, and, and I guess you know. However that works out, this this is something that's taking hold of his life. Chapter fourteen, and verse one. Now Samson went down to Timnah, and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, "I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore, get her for me as a wife." Then his father and mother said to him. Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, "Get her for me, for she pleases me well." But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. So God's moving parents don't know it neither does Samson. But he's gone he's gone into enemy territory. He sees a girl and I just want to say, as we start here, this is almost, it's almost like we're, we could just stop right here because it says in verse one, now Samson went down. Mm-hmm. That, that describes his whole life, doesn't it?
1: Uh, yeah. Interesting. Of course, it's speaking geographically. Yeah. Uh, Cause being from Dan, you know, if anyone's curious, that means he's up in the North country. That's he's right. He's in the far North of Israel, uh, close to their border with the Philistines, with Philistia. Uh, But yeah, it's kind of an interesting observation. He just, he goes down to what? A foreign woman, which the law forbade specific foreign women from being uh, married into in Israel. Uh, Doesn't say anything about the Philistines specifically, but it does say don't intermarry with the Canaanites. And so if you want to include the Philistines in with the Canaanite people, which... I believe they would be yeah yeah they inhabited canaan and they were a pagan idolatrous godless group of people uh he goes down to them and if you're a Nazarite and you've been appointed by god for a specific purpose if you're going to depart from that in any way you are going down
0: yeah and we just at leaving chapter 13 it says the spirit of the lord began to move on him so he's up as high as he can be at, at this point in his life spiritually And then he went down. I just think, you know, we're just going to see that over and over again. And it usually is always tied to a woman. And so he goes and he finds a Philistine woman who's beautiful. She's caught his eye. He says she pleases me well. Samson is probably still very young here. There's, There's no reason to doubt that that is true. And he must be something to behold. He is young. He's a strong young man. He's moved by the Spirit of God. We know he has long hair that's never been cut. Uh, and he he must have been quite the specimen. You know, uh, if he's 18, 19 years old, if he's that old, your hair
1: is going to be twice the length of your own body. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. He's, when you think about it, he's never had it cut from the day he was born. So yeah, his hair would be unusually long. Yeah. And I so want to say, I want to get this guy in our mind. Person. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. I want to get him in our mind, you know, that he, he's got to do something with all that hair and, and there's ways to tie that up and or, you know, to put it into some type of a ponytail or something. Um, but he has to do that every day with his hair. And so here he is, you know, swinging his locks all the way down to Temna, and he sees a girl, and he's he's struck. You know, he's just smitten. And so he comes back to his father. I found a girl amongst the Philistines. Go and get her for me. So, again, not not good dating advice. <laughs> this is not how you went over a woman ever, ever. Um, your parents don't go get her for their, although this is customary. They would probably pay a dowry or something of, of that sort to to make all this possible. Um, and they say, he says to his son, is there not a woman amongst your own brethren? But the King James says, is there never a woman? And, and that kind of implies to me, the diff- translations are different, but it kind of shares this idea that they've been kind of wrestling with him about this, encouraging him to find a, an Israelite woman, and, and he's always looking somewhere else. It just seems that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know much more than that, but it doesn't really matter because this really will be his, the plague of his life. And so he says to his father again, get her for me for she pleases me well. That's New King James. And what does that mean? She pleases me well.
1: Well, I was reading the ESV this morning uh, over these chapters just to get them fresh in my mind. And it renders it, she is right in my eyes. Yes. Which, as soon as I read that, I thought, that that's basically the theme of Judges, <laughs> because we're told that uh, uh, there was no king in Israel, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. So, what what's the standard here? Well, she's right in my eyes. so I'm it, the standard. Yeah. He's not concerned with his vow, although he wouldn't be breaking it by marrying a foreigner, but mm. he's disregarding the law. Uh and he's being stubborn. His parents offer him, they give him godly advice. What's wrong with our people? These are uncircumcised Philistines. Why do you want one of them? But he won't listen. And he is lacking self-control. This is what I want. I don't care. Go get her. So some real warning signs here uh, for us to watch out in our own lives too. How often do we want something so bad that we're willing to compromise and we won't listen to what other people say to us about that. Yeah. That we, it's something that's right in my eyes. I want it. I don't care. Go get it for me. This pleases
0: me well. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because it, it says they did what was right in their own eyes, not what was wrong in their own eyes. Like they, they weren't saying, well, I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. It was right in their own eyes. And that has to be it, isn't it? That it pleases me. but But when God says that when man does something that's right in his own eyes, he's saying separate and apart from what I've told him, That that which is right. So if you're doing what's right in your own eyes and you're not walking with the Lord in those
1: things, then you're doing what's wrong. I can't think of a case where that wouldn't be true. Well, Proverbs tells us that it's not in man that walks to direct his own steps. So if I'm going by my standard of right, I'm eventually going to blow it. I'm going to decide something's right that may not be. Because without God's guidance, I can't direct my own steps. No. So I I can't trust in in what I want to decide is good for me. I need to let God inform me on that because he knows me better than I know myself. That's right. It absolutely is true. So we have this young man.
0: He is headed down. He's found a woman, comes and tells his parents, go get her for me. She pleases me well. In verse 5, it says, So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. That's not good. He's not supposed to be in a vineyard. Yep, yep. He came down to the vineyards in Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And we're going to see that three times when it says, The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. It is always to kill. Hmm. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat though he had nothing in his hand. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. After some time, when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. He took some of it in his hands and went along eating. When he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them, and they also ate. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion So there's just a few verses here But there's a lot of interesting stuff going on So they go down He meets with her She pleases him well I mean this is be confirmed over and over again in his heart This is where I want to go This is, this is going to be my wife So those things are kind of established And then they go home He knows that she'll be his wife But they leave for a while Because on the way down he kills the lion mm-hmm. Then they go back home After visiting with her and then a period of time seems to pass, which allows this lion to to rot out, I guess. And when he comes back, he thinks, yeah, "I'm gonna go I'm gonna see if that lion's still there and that <clears throat> that kill that I got. You want know, to go? I want to go check that out." So, how many different ways did he violate the Nazarite vow
1: here? Well, I was just thinking when you mentioned it wasn't a good idea for him to be in a vineyard. I was thinking, you know, there might be some listeners uh, among us that aren't quite familiar with what a Nazarite vow is and the prohibitions that came with that. Uh, One of the prohibitions was you couldn't have anything to do with the fruit of the vine. You could not drink wine. You couldn't eat grapes. You couldn't even eat the seed or the skin of grapes. Uh, So being in a vineyard is not a great place to be because with Samson's lack of self-control, what if he's, oh, that's a good-looking clump of uh, grapes over there. Uh, I'm going to go grab some. Doesn't say he did, but he's put himself in a tempting situation. Another of the prohibitions was you couldn't come in contact with a dead body. That's right. uh, and a third prohibition, as we've already alluded to several times, is you could not shave your head. Your hair grew for the length of your vow. And in fact, one way to signal that the vow was ended was to shave your head. Uh, we can see that in Acts when Paul uh, went and took responsibility for some men who had made a vow, and uh, the shaven head signified that that vow is now complete, and God, uh, Paul was going to go help them to offer the sacrifice that came at the end of the vow, which I thought was interesting, and we'll look at that when we get toward the end of of, uh, Samson here. There was a sacrifice involved when the vow was completed, Mm. Uh, but so Samson kills this lion, and he then he goes back and takes a look at it and finds honey in it, so now he's come in contact with a dead body again. So this is his first violation, really, of his Nazarite vow. Um, and yet, it doesn't indicate that God absolved him of the vow. He's God is still going to use him for his purpose of delivering Israel from the Philistines. Yeah, that's right. There's like we said. There's
0: just a lot of things happening here. And I mentioned to you earlier that he doesn't seem to have any companions any friends he's mm. he's he's a i think you call him an oddball and i think that's about right he's traveling down to timna he's asked his parents to go with him to help him and they're they have to be so far separated from each other that they can't hear him fighting a lion mm. i mean what's the distance you think yeah that, that would be a noisy affair i'm telling you the roaring of a lion who who jumps upon him uh, swiftly or and surprises him. there's gonna be the roaring, the growling, obviously the fighting. He grabs hold of this thing as a as an adult man would grab a kid goat and and as I understand it, you grab a kid goat uh, very young by the hind legs and you can you can pull the legs you can pull that thing apart hmm. a, a man can. and so he kills this lion the same way. He has no weapon in his hand. He takes it by his by its hind legs, which cats use to disembowel. How in the world, you know but I think w- the point here is that he is so powerfully strong. The Spirit of the Lord, whatever God has done to him in this moment, he now is stronger than the king of kings on on, on all of the earth, you know, as far as dominant creatures. And and there's something amazing about that. He doesn't tell his parents. <laughs> they go on and they do the thing where he talks to the girl. Then the second time down, as he comes down, he checks the body. So, you know, I don't know if that's pride or what. But he's like, you know, let's see if that lion's still there or maybe to say did that really
1: happen cuz i would be yeah, totally be. freaked out yeah i mean that's he, he walks away from it like you know no big thing uh, this this is something that could happen any time like you said you know he doesn't there's just nothing unusual that apparently that, about this that strikes him he just goes on and goes on to timna like hey this woman's the only thing on my mind and i had to deal with this lion so okay that's done Let's Very go. Strange. Yeah, it's a, it's an odd situation here. Yes. But so. it set it sets some things up that uh, uh, start to fulfill what God wants to do.
0: Yeah. And, it, you know, why do you think he didn't tell his parents that he got the honey out of a dead lion? Uh, well,
1: who knows? Because he feeds it to them. Yeah, he <laughs> gives them some of the honey. Uh, I think it would gross me out. Here, have some honey. Oh, yeah, where'd you get it? Oh, there was this lion carcass over there that had some money. <laughs> Ew, I don't want that. Ooh, <laughs> so it gross him out. But like we said, it's a violation of his vow too. Yeah, and then being godly parents would probably be concerned about that. He's just a strange
0: guy. He doesn't tell him. I, if I yeah. kill the lion, I tell everybody I ever met. I killed a lion like the way you tear a kid goat in half. That's what I did. Yeah. I, that's that's how I would open every line with everyone I ever met for the rest of my life, because it's it's a, a life changing experience. You know, this, to to be in a situation like that would just change my entire life. He doesn't seem to
1: process things that way. He doesn't bring it up. Doesn't even tell them. Well, I I recall David. Of course, he was doing it to prove a point. But uh, when Saul was questioning his ability to go and stand against Goliath, what did David say? Your servants dealt with a bear and lion. That's right. When I was protecting the flock. When they came against the flock, I took care of it. So it's... I'm used to facing heavy odds, yeah. So I can deal with this uncircumcised Philistine, by the way. That's uh, right. And it's so different. here's Samson uh, tearing this lion apart barehanded, like you said, the king of beasts. And he, you know, okay. Oh, uh, next, let's. I'm, I'm on my way to town. I got to keep going. <laughs> it, it doesn't even register. Apparently, That's so crazy. Yeah, he's such an odd individual. Yes. So they've come back down for the marriage. He grabbed
0: some honey out of a dead body. Verse 10, So his father went down to the woman, and Samson gave a feast there, for young men used to do so. And it happened when they saw him, this is the Philistines seeing Samson, they brought 30 companions to be with him. Then Samson said to them, Let me pose a riddle to you. So again, the character of this man, he's sitting around with these 30 guys. You know, it's, wedding feast is about seven days long, so he's like, Hey, uh, tell me all think about this. Let me, let me pose a little riddle to you. So here it is. If you can correctly solve and explain it to me within the seven days of the feast, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. But if you cannot explain it to me, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. And they said to him, pose your riddle that we may hear it. So he said to them, out of the eater came something to eat and out of the strong came something sweet. Now, for three days, they could not explain the riddle. But it came to pass on the seventh day, so they're almost out of time here, Mm -hmm. that they said to Samson's wife, entice your husband that he may explain the riddle to us, or else we will burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us in order to take what is ours? Is
1: that not so? What a wedding party, huh? (laughs) I was looking at this, and I'm thinking, man, these Philistines are some nice people to be around (laughs) Yeah. You know, okay, we'll accept your riddle. What it? What is it? And then they can't figure it out. And then they so okay. What's the solution? We're gonna threaten his wife. You go find out what this is all about, or we're gonna kill you. And not in your whole not in a pleasant house. way. we're gonna burn you and your entire family down. So, of course, now she's feeling motivated. Mm-hmm. She's been threatened. So okay, what do I do? So she betrays Samson, and here we see his this first interaction where I, I just define it as Samson is utterly clueless toward women and what's going on that's right he, he doesn't even stop to think why are you asking me this it's he just he he seems flippant about a lot of things yeah um, we'll see that with Delilah instead of saying why what do you want why do you want to know where my strength comes from exactly why do you keep asking me about this? He starts playing games with her. Yep. Oh, uh, do this. Uh, oh, if you do that, it'll. My strength is gone. It. It just. It's like he's unconcerned about important things. Yeah. He just kind of floats through life, uh, being guided by whatever the desire of the moment is. Yeah, and it's consistently women. I I forgot to
0: mention the first recorded words of Samson is I have seen a woman in mm-hmm. verse two, chapter fourteen, and verse two. The first time we get to hear him talk, he says. I have seen a woman, yep. and, and,
1: and, and that's his great downfall. He just cannot control himself around women. Yeah, that's right. So the riddles posed, they
0: accept. And by the way, there's thirty of them. So each one has come up with a linen garment, and what what was the other thing? Uh, linen garment and a change and of clothing. A change of clothes, yeah, which is a big deal back then. Yes, but each guy has to produce one, and that's that's enough for them to go to this this girl and say, you better figure out how to get the answer to this riddle, or we're going to kill your whole family with fire because I ain't giving up my linen garment. You know, Again, that's just—they they agreed to listen to the riddle. I mean, anyway, they applied tons of pressure on her. She just met Samson, so she's got no problem betraying him for her family who she loves. That makes sense. But in verse 16, it says, Then Samson's wife wept on him and said,
1: You only hate me. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like they've been married for 30 years. Yes. And that should give you a clue. <laughs> Why are you starting a conversation off like that? Well, we just you, got you, married. You're trying to, you're trying to, <laughs> there's some manipulation going on here. But now he, I mentioned he he doesn't seem to respond. He does sort of rebuke her here Yeah. at the end of verse 16. Yeah. But then she pesters him over and over and he doesn't, doesn't seem to deal with it. Yeah. She says, so you hate me.
0: You do not love me. You have posed a riddle to the sons of my people, but you have not explained it to me. And he said to her, look, I have not explained it to my father or my mother, so should I explain it to you? Again, this guy needs marriage counseling.
1: Yeah, I was thinking they're getting off to a great start here. Of course, she's under duress, but still, <laughs> such an odd, you know, Samson just doesn't know how to deal with a woman. He cannot treat a woman the way they're supposed to be treated
0: it, it, because it's all about him. Yeah, She's crying on his shoulder and saying, "You must hate me because you you won't tell me the secret things that 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 are, that are yours that now should be mine." And he's like, "Babe, I ain't even tell my parents. You know what? Well, well, I don't know. I'm not gonna tell you either." So, in this, we know the Lord's moving, but in this, she becomes more determined. Like. If he's like, well, I haven't told my parents. I'm not going to tell you. It's kind of like, okay, yes, you are. You know, the, the, well, she's got to save her family. Right. And he's, he's like laying out these battle lines between him and his wife. It, un, it seems to be unknowingly, but he's like, I'm not going to explain it to you either. So it says in verse 17, now she had wept on him the seven days while their feast lasted. Now it happened on the seventh day that he told her because she pressed him so much. Then she explained the riddle to the sons of her people. So the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, what is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, if you had not had plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. <laughs> <laughs> Again. <laughs> Again,
1: this is not how you treat or talk about your wife. Yes. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, but it, it's interesting. Uh, they carefully framed their answer to make it look like oh we figured it out cuz you know we're just using a little logic here what's what's sweeter than honey so that must be involved and what could be stronger than a lion so that must be part of it too but Samson seems to understand i guess he he figured well they got it and the reason they got it my wife was pestering me about it so they must have been on her about this cuz he he posed what he thought was not an answerable riddle. So, but yeah, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. So that's how he thinks about this woman who is right in his eyes. Yeah, she pleases him well. Yeah, of course, women were not highly regarded in those days anyway, but if you're a godly person or you have the right attitude toward women, we we look at Boaz. And how he treated uh, Ruth and Naomi, honorably, considerately, um, respecting uh, their status, uh, providing for them. So even though women tended to not, not be highly regarded in those days, still you could treat them like your wife's supposed to be treated. Absolutely. Uh, and Elkanah with, with Hannah, the mother of, of uh, Samuel. You know, providing for her and giving her a sacrifice every year to provide. He loved his wife. Yes. And it says so. And he took care of her. And he showed it the right way. Yeah. You know, so, but Samson here is just kind of off the dial. Uh, and it it comes from again, not to harp on this, but why would he treat a woman like this? Well, he's kind of self centered. Yeah. He's not really concerned about how she feels about anything. It's it's what's uh, what's affecting him. That is number one. That's right. It's very sad,
0: and, and and you know it says that he gave them seven days, and then on the seventh day she finally got it out of him, and then and it says again on the seventh day before the sun went down they come and say so he knows he knows what they couldn't figure it out in six and a half days, and all of a sudden they know the answer right after he told his wife you know he he's not stupid, and so he says if you had not plowed with my heifer you would not have solved the riddle the 19 says then the spirit of the lord came upon him mightily. And he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of their men, took their apparel, and gave the change of clothing to those who had explained the riddle. So his anger was aroused, and he went back up to his father's house. Samson's wife was given to his companion, who had been his best man.
1: Wow. Yeah, it, well, we're seeing so much here. Uh, of course, you, it, there's a rational explanation. Samson leaves. He leaves his wife, goes back home, and doesn't come back for, a, a you know, apparently a notable period of time. So what to do with this woman who had been betrothed? Well, we'll being Philistines, let's figure out the best thing. We'll give her to the best man. That'll work out. Poor girl. I mean, she's really kind of in a mess here. Um, but at least for a period of time, she spared herself and her family, It doesn't work out in the end. But uh, here, I I think we see now God really using Samson to move against the Philistines. Absolutely. This whole thing motivates him. Okay, now I have to come up with 30 garments. Oh, I'll get them over here from the Philistines. And so he goes and kills 30 Philistines, and that would be known in Philistia. Did you hear about this? This guy, Samson, and of course, he's a notable individual. This Jew killed 30 people over there in town and took their garments for a wedding feast. So news of this gets around and it, again, kind of sets the stage for what's going to happen next. So God's using these events and these decisions from Samson to accomplish his purpose. And again, that purpose is deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines. It's a very unusual way to do it, at least from our standpoint. (laughs) Yes. But God did it in a way that gives us some lessons to learn that we've been discussing today, and we'll discuss in our next episode, our Lord willing. Yeah, that's right. But uh, yeah, it's such an odd set of circumstances here. Yeah. This is the second time the Spirit of the Lord
0: came mightily upon Samson. says he went to Ashkelon. So he's in Timnah. He walks a little over 20 miles. And that he got 20 miles of walking to fume and just be as angry as he can be. The only evidence that we have and that he may have that he can go kill whoever he wants is the altercation with the lion. That, that I mean, we know he can kill a lion relatively easily. He walks into Ashkelon and just kills 30 guys, gathers their clothes up. So again, you know, what do you, what do you carry, 30 garments walking back to Timna? I don't know. But he's figured all that out, and he's bringing these clothing back. He gives it to these men. and you I mean, that's the moment when your pride is just kicked into the ground. He lost this little riddle battle with them, and he is furious. So he gives them their clothing, which he owes them. And he went back to his father's house. Now, when he leaves, the father of the, of the wife naturally assumes, well, He's gone, which means he doesn't want to marry her Mm -hmm. because he's going to say in the next chapter, I thought you hated her because men who love their wives stay for the wedding. You know, you left uh, in anger, by the way, you know, so it's really. But again, as you said, every step is being taken because God's going to use this man to do some amazing things. And we'll see in chapter 15, the spirit of the Lord will fall upon Samson again. It looks to me like we'll we'll, need to be three episodes because we've only covered one chapter. 15's got a ton of great stuff in it and certainly 16 is where Delilah is. So we'll 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 move to our trivia questions. We have started with Samson and we've made some some biblical, scriptural, spiritual points about uh the things that we're drawn to. It, you know, for for me and you just to say this pleases me well. You know, the next question from me or or, or the good Christian friends around me should be why. Hmm why does that please you well are you seeking to glorify god is is this what god wants in your life or are you looking for honey in, in a dead body uh, because we can't as you had mentioned to me earlier we can't just keep kicking samson for his behavior because man there's a lot of samson and all it's of recorded us. for a reason yeah. yeah and we don't do it in these grand terms but there's still those little steps that we take in the wrong direction, and so the the warning is absolutely there for us, and we don't want to miss that as we move through this. Mm. Can I give you my first trivia question?
1: Oh, well, okay. Trivia, sweet
0: trivia. Which two half-brothers of Jesus wrote epistles in the New Testament? James and Jude. Very good. That didn't take you much time at all. James and Jude. We know that both both brothers, they're half-brothers now because they're the sons of Mary and Joseph. Jesus is the son of Mary and his father is God. But these two half-brothers, uh, James and Jude, are both mentioned in Mark 6 and verse 3 amongst his other brothers. And Jude uh, mentions in verse 1 that he's a bondservant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James. So. hmm it's pretty pretty easy for us to conclude that both of them were living in the home of Jesus as they grew up.
1: Yeah, oh, neat question. Okay, uh, my first question then. What did Paul say is the wages of sin?
0: Oh, man. Uh, the encouraging word I did this week was that very verse, Romans 6.23. Ah, okay. The wages of sin is death. How about that? So you boned up for the,
1: for the trivia quiz. Yeah. Well, that, that's good of you.
0: Un- unintentionally, hit, I was hit, getting ready. Getting your
1: Cliff Notes, there, huh? <laughs> yes, sir. I just looked at it. Well,
0: perfect. Yeah, it's Good pretty deal. cool. Um, okay, question three for everyone out there, and question number two for Kurt in the Old Testament. Why did God command His people to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy?
1: Hmm. Uh, I I would give two answers for that. Okay. One is because that day was hallowed it's the the day that god ceased his creative work and rested Mm -hmm. but secondly it was also uh, a sign between him and israel uh, as to the fact that they were his nation his chosen people and that he was building that nation up
0: yeah i and i completely agree with you I, I was thinking initially that you know the main is the first one you gave because mm-hmm. Moses tells the people over and over again. I have a- Exodus 20, verses 9 through 11, where the Ten Commandments are given. He says that you must rest, do no work. It's, it's yeah. a lengthy commandment, not your son, not your slave. You know Nobody can work on the Sabbath day. And then he says, because the Lord rested on the seventh day, therefore he blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. But you're right, that, that, that's a relationship between him and his people that, he wanted one-seventh of their time, ultimately. You do nothing on the seventh day. You rest and remember who I am. And that was something they were supposed to live out in their lives and to trust him, even with the manna falling. Remember, on Friday, right, they were supposed to gather twice as much manna mm-hmm. because it would last them through Friday and Saturday. Right. And 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 they still wouldn't listen. Some of them tried to gather two days' worth, and it said that it was consumed with worms. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So. God was teaching them, I'm, I'll provide for you. Where am I going to get food then if I can't go out on the, on the Sabbath? Well, I'll give you two days worth the day before. Yeah. Uh, but don't save any up. You, know, you just get That's some right. enough for each day except for getting ready for the Sabbath. And when they didn't follow that, God taught them, no, I meant what I said. You're supposed to do this for the Sabbath. And by the way, sometimes the question comes up, I'm just going to quickly... Note that uh, the reason Christians don't observe the Sabbath is that it was part of the covenant made with the nation of Israel, the physical nation of Israel, and we're no longer under that covenant. Right. Uh, so the Sabbath being part of that covenant, since that covenant has been done away with, book of Hebrews clearly states that, Yep. then we do not worship on the Sabbath. We worship on the first day of the week.
0: That's right. It's the one of the Ten Commandments that's not repeated in the New Testament. That's right.
1: Yep. yep. Okay, very good. Final question? Yes. To whom did Christ announce the necessity for a new birth?
0: Oh, man. The way you worded that had me all twisted up. I'm thinking of birth announcements, so I'm like, what are you saying? <laughs> Jesus never announced anybody's birth, but he actually did. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> to, to whom what? Who Who did Jesus talk to about a new birth? Okay.
1: Uh, Nick at night John chapter 3 Nicodemus yes Nick at night (laughs) but that's right Nicodemus you must be born again Uh, and he rebuked Nicodemus for not understanding what he was getting at through that yeah he sure did when you read the book of Ezekiel you find out Nicodemus should have known yeah it's there yep
0: All right. Awesome. That's all very good. I think we're off to a good start with Samson. Uh, Again, very, very interesting character. And, you know, if you're going through this with us and you're hearing this first episode, we hope that you're encouraged about all that's found there. And I would just highly recommend that you read Chapters 14 through 16 of the book of Judges, uh, you know, kind of read that for yourself and, and and get yourself set so that when we get into these next chapters and, and we read and discuss them together, that that you're right there with us. You know, you've, you've read it yourself and, and you know what's coming. And I think that creates a new level of excitement and anticipation to the listener that they know. They're like, come on, get to the next verse. That's my favorite part or, you know, whatever, because we're all different. We read it different. There's different lessons that we would find. So don't depend solely on Kurt and I, but uh, read ahead if you can. And the good Lord willing, we will get back into the life of Samson uh, next, next time. Thank you all very much, always, for listening. We appreciate it very much. We pray that you have a faithful walk with the Lord throughout this week, stand strong in his word and the power of his might.